Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Please stay tuned for Brandon's Buzz. I'm Joan Van Ark, and the buzz is hot. This is Gloria Loring, and I've just been buzzed by Brandon, and I gave Brandon some buzz. This is Maya Bialik, and you are lucky enough to be listening to Brandon's Buzz. Hi, this is Gordon Thompson speaking. And I want to tell you that I have appeared on Brandon's Buzz, and I had a great time. And I think you will too, so please log on and have a Hey guys, it's Thursday, March 5th, 2009. It is 10 p.m. here in Texas, 11 p.m. back east, and 8 p.m. out in the sunny west. And welcome to Brandon's Buzz. I thank you so much for coming and spending an hour with us and hanging out with a terrific guest. I have a great lady on the line, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I have a quick program notes um, to get through before we get started here. Next week, I am hoping to schedule a show with a fabulous singer by the name of Jimmy Demers. Uh, I don't know if you know his name or not, but you, there's no doubt you know his voice. Um, we haven't scheduled the show yet, so I can't tell you when it is, but we've been corresponding and we're trying to hammer out a date. So stay tuned to uh, my show's website, blogtalkradio.com slash brandonsbuzz, or my blog, brandonsbuzz.com. And uh, there will be complete information up on both sites just as soon as I get complete or, or uh, uh, official confirmation of when he can be on the show. So, uh, like I said, we're negotiating now, but it will be next week sometime, and he's a fabulous guy, and I can't wait for you all to meet him. So that's next week. Also next week, I've got an exclusive with uh, a couple of girls named Courtney and Nellie who run a fabulous website. It's the OneTreeHillWeb.net. It is the, it's not the official website for One Tree Hill, but it is without question the most comprehensive One Tree Hill website or resource on the Internet. Uh, and that's going to be on Wednesday evening. Um, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, and my best friend, Sherry Ann, who is the biggest One Tree Hill fan on the face of the planet, is helping me out with that one, uh, and that's on Wednesday evening, so come back for that. We've got two great guests next week, and we've got a great guest tonight. You know, before we dive in here, I want to take a moment and do something that I should have done Monday. I meant to do it Monday, and I meant to do it Tuesday, after I forgot to do it on Monday, and on both nights, I got really kind of uh, intertwined with my guest, and we just dove right in, and I forgot all about it. So I want to take a moment to uh, pay tribute to um, a true giant and a dear, dear man that we lost this past weekend. Um, you know, this past weekend, American Broadcasting and America, period, lost one of its true legends with the unfortunate passing of a man by the name of Paul Harvey, who enthralled this country for well over half a century with his simple no-frills radio broadcasts, which consisted of a daily noontime newscast and a drive-time anecdotal yarn entitled The Rest of the Story, which generally took a famous person or a famous event 
and uh, shown the spotlight on same in a slightly different way so that you wouldn't know of whom or what Mr. Harvey was speaking until the last sentence. Um, it was, you know, it was, it was really great. And I guarantee you, if you've listened to a radio in the past 50 years, you've heard at least one of his broadcasts. I guarantee it. You know, all the obits that I read from the AP and all the wire services kind of put his peak audience at 24 million people. And I think that's completely crazy. I think it's more like 100 million people. Um, if, if you've listened to a radio in the past 50 years, you've heard Mr. Paul Harvey. And if you heard his voice, you never forgot it. Um, as I wrote earlier this week on my blog, brandonsbuzz.com, I loved listening to Mr. Harvey so much that I would mute the sound on my favorite soap opera in order to tune in when I was a kid. Uh, and having recently started my own radio show, which you're listening to, uh, it's never been more clear how hard Mr. Harvey must have worked making his work seem so effortless. And uh, it's my fondest wish that wherever he is this night, that the angels are there telling him the rest of the story for a change. Um, so Godspeed, Paul. You're, you're in all of our thoughts, and as is your family. And um, that's all I can say. A true legend is gone, and you know, in, in his stead, we can only hope to approach his brilliance and his magnificence. Um, so that's enough of that. A great guest tonight, a fantastic lady. You know, a pair of brilliant radio smashes called She's Only 20 and The Truth seem to put a terrific band, and by having female talent exclusively behind the microphone, incredibly unique for their time, called Tammy Show, on a sure path toward commercial success. But just as quickly, it was all over. Record company politics and internal group strife combined to sink them at the very height of their popularity. But Cream always finds a way to rise. The band's electrifying lead singer is still out there, still making riveting, heartfelt music, and still proving herself to be a pioneer in the brave new world that is the digital music revolution. And she's come by the buzz this evening to talk about the future and to reminisce about the past. What a genuine honor and a true, true thrill to welcome to my show tonight the ferocious, the magnificent Claire Massey. Wow, Brandon, you know how to make a girl feel welcome. <laughs> that is, I feel like the Queen of Sheba now. How are you doing? Great now. <laughs> so let's let's get the boring stuff out of the way. Let's get let's get the sixty second biography on Claire Massey. Where were you born? Where were you raised? Where did you go to school? Well, I grew up for the most part in a town called Glencoe in Illinois. So okay. That's Twenty miles north of downtown Chicago. It was so you're a Midwestern right on girl. Lake Michigan. Yeah, small town, beautiful place, magical place to grow up with. You know, bluffs and the lakeshore and ravines and forest preserves. It was really idyllic. Wow. Type of atmosphere for kids, and it was me and my mom and my four sisters. There were five girls. So as you can imagine, we had a lot of fun together. And I went to school, I went to the same school from kindergarten to eighth grade. And there were our grandparents on both sides lived near us, aunts, uncles. So it was really a great, fantastic childhood in that way. It didn't, uh, I didn't know how crazy things were going to (laughs) get from from the start of it all. But um, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, and my dad, he was in the corporate world till maybe just like 30 years old and then he left that and decided to become a scientist and inventor and create his own product. Wow. 
So that's when things got really colorful for our family. I can imagine. That's a big leap to make. Yeah. But um, I think that experience really fueled our imagination, too, and planted the mustard seeds for our own creativity on our, in our artistic life. Wow. Seeing your dad do that and go after his dream and stuff and not be... No question about consequences, that. even though there were many. <laughs> <laughs> so we were kind of the black sheep in the neighborhood once in a while because <laughs> it was just really... It was a pretty well-to-do neighborhood. I mean, nothing like it is now. Mm-hmm. You know, now it's the uber-rich. Back then it was, you know, pretty upper-class, but there were still, you know, modest families here and there. Okay. But we... uh we, it was a roller coaster ride for us, depending on, on my dad's invention. And what kinds of things did he did he uh, in? What was he interested in? What kinds it of things did he, did he create? It was plastics and engineering, which things that you don't really think about in your daily life, but you really use them everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. So he had many patents with the United States government. Yeah. Anything that 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 we would know today, or anything um, that you know? Well, it was called the Mathlight Company. Actually, one of his most lucrative products was flotation devices he sold to the US Coast Guard which were okay. for which you don't think about that either but it really it really they went all over the world so it was he made a ring buoy that you could throw further than any they had since then and it was wow wouldn't be uh flammable in in gasoline or in fires on boats and so he was uh he was a creative guy and it was well, it wasn't so great the the night that our kitchen burned down for one of his research and development <laughs> projects. But <laughs> no, that was you know, we, we just we clung together and got through it all. But it was uh it made us it prepared us for the record business, what can I say? <laughs> so you you said you were one of five kids? Yeah. Five and you girls. were the you were the oldest, you were in the middle, no, where Kristen, did you fall? I had one older sister. Okay. And then Kath is right below me, and she was okay. uh, this other singer in Tammy's show, which I Absolutely. feel bad. I feel like she should be on the phone right now with us. <laughs> but um, it's, she's, I, I guarantee she's in bed right now because her daughter gets up at 6.30 in the morning. She has to take her to school. So oh. so I'll have to do. <laughs> but she, well, would, she would love this. Well, tell her we say hi and that we yeah, love her. Well, I totally will. That's so awesome. So did, did you always know you wanted to be a singer? Was it always kind of something that was in your head? Well, I think what happened is when I was two, my mom brought Beatle Records home, and that was about it. You know, it was all over when the Beatle Records got in the house. <laughs> and I still have those records to this day, wow. the original ones. And uh, there's a picture of me and my older sister. I was playing drums that were made out of round luggage, and a hairbrush was my were my drumsticks. And she was playing, had our, her, our first guitar that my dad bought us, and there was our promo shot right there when we were two and four. So, yeah, I'd say it started very early on. And was this something that that grew? Was this something that the family kind of encouraged, or was it, or was it kind of alien to the oh, the idea of your life? No, absolutely. My parents, they were not show parents. They were not stage parents at all. But they. Just let us do whatever we want. I'm surprised that we didn't get in more trouble than we did growing up. I really am because they, they let us have the run of it. 
But my mom plays piano really well, and she's a great singer, but she never did it in as a career or anything. But I think yeah. uh, she would sing to me every night from a very young age. Wow. She had a beautiful voice. So she, when I, when people ask me, who's your favorite singer, I'm like, I think it's my mom. You know, she's <laughs> a terrific pianist. So there was always music going on. Unbelievable. Always music. But the first, my first inkling of the stage, though, really being on a professional stage, there was for a few years I was obsessed with dancing and classical ballet. So for a number of years I took that really seriously and I was an apprentice in a group. It was I would take the train two or three nights a week up till this dance class and I was able to join the company at one point and at this point I was only 12 I think. And we got sent down to the Civic Opera House downtown Chicago and got to dance with major world-class ballets that came through. Wow. I'd be like the page boy in the Sleeping Beauty or something. You know, any of these little parts that you could you could be a part of and see these prima ballet dancers, you know, float by. It was just my dream come true. And Rudolf Nureyev was in the last ballet that... I was a part of, and he was the biggest star. I've, I mean, that was it. <laughs> he like every, even all the rock stars I met since then. They, they had money on Rudolph Nureyev. They really did. The guy was incredible, and he picked me up at one point during this dance. And that you know, I, I, I the next year I, I stopped. I got into music. It, it was almost as if okay, I, I've, I've gone as far as I can. Absolutely. The thing with Rudolph Nureyev danced with him when I was twelve. And so when I got into high school, it was, okay, this thing is going to take up way too much more time, and there were so many more things you were interested in by the time you got into mm-hmm. high school. And I think the music then went went into full gear. Do you think that creatively you were, you were helped by growing up in Chicago? I mean, Chicago is a pretty renowned place, not just for music, but for performing in general. I mean, there's Second City for comedy. There is the ballet, as you mentioned. I mean, it's it's a pretty... Not in a bad way, but it's a pretty metropolitan place in terms of, you know, creative people getting to express themselves in whatever way that that they feel is is right for them. Uh, do you do you feel like you were helped by growing up in that proximity? Well, I think that what I liked about it is that there were so many places you could hone your craft, and you you didn't have to be noticed until you were ready. And I think that was what was great. That's why. I wasn't living in this little small town somewhere in Illinois and Absolutely. went right out to Hollywood right away or something. <laughs> so, yes, there was so many clubs to play at and so many festivals to play and so many musicians at the time. This was well, this was in the 80s at that point. And it was yeah, it was really everyone was really supportive of each other and we knew so many bands and they knew us and wow. I mean, I don't know what it would have been like some someplace else. But it was a total scene. Absolutely. So, yeah. So when you and Kathy decided <laughs> that, fun. when you and Kathy told your parents that you had decided to be rock stars, were, were they cool with that, or did they totally freak out? Well, it started with the three of us: me, Kath, and my older sister, and it, okay. we were in a band called Sirens. And that we had, it was the three of us and three guys, and. We just went for it. It was I think of how bold we were at the time because there weren't there really weren't that much many girls 
at the time doing what we were doing. Exactly. I was gonna I was gonna ask you about no, that a little really, bit later. I mean, there might have been all girl bands, but it just it wasn't. You know, it was far before the Lilith Fair explosion. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So sometimes I think back and like, God, we were so bold and we just went for it and. <laughs> But it's just we became obsessed at one point, and I think you have to feel that way to really do what we went through. It for us, it wasn't oh one thing led to another, and then we ended up famous. You know, it was we had <laughs> to capture our any success we had. It was years of just plugging away. Wow. And it, it but I like I said, I think that was good because you didn't get there before you should have been seen by anybody absolutely you know you see these like kids, the american idol thing exactly that's what i was gonna say you see these kids on american idol these days and uh-huh. and you know you can you can you can tell almost immediately who's ready for it and who's not mm-hmm. you can tell almost instantaneously back then did you have any idea what you wanted to do or be even really meant i mean did you have any idea what it really meant to be a rock star a musician uh you know well, we would, you know, any music magazine we devoured, you know, any music show, we were, like I said, we were obsessed. And I listened to every radio. I fell asleep with my transistor in my bed. You know how you said you did that with your tribute to Paul Harvey? Yeah, I did that to Top 40 Radio. So it was just in my blood. That's all I can say. And who did you love? Who, which artist did you admire? Well, I, like I said, our Beatles, the Beatles was our favorite band because we had three-part harmony going on all the time. It's like, the, I think it was the first time we ever knew we really had this sound was, I think our grandparents asked us to perform at this big family barbecue they were going to have as the entertainment. I'm like, well, I guess we should put a repertoire together. I'll never forget this. We were sitting on my bed in my bedroom and with our two guitars and, I think we were singing a Linda Ronstadt song or something, <laughs> and and um, we broke into this three-part harmony, and we just all looked at each other like, wow, this sounds great. Like, we just surprised ourselves, even. <laughs> well, that part came really easy to us, that part of it. It's just the other part of sounding good as a band and coming up with cohesive songs uh-huh. and all the other stuff that went in. That took us, you know, some years to figure out. Wow, you know, I, uh, years ago I saw an interview with um, the girls of Wilson Phillips, who kind of came up with with you guys. Um, yeah, and they they talked about how even when they were kids, they would always get together and you know just kind of harmonize and write songs because that's what everybody did in their lives. I mean, that's that's all they knew from, and so they didn't, they didn't really know how special what they had going was. And it was actually Wendy and Carney's mother who first heard them harmonizing and went, "Whoa, that's that's pretty." That's pretty yeah. good. Yes, that's true. Yeah, our one of our record guys worked with them, so I heard all the stories about wow. them at the same time. Yeah, that's what it was like. I mean, when we went out to play, I mean, we did these god-awful shows sometimes where you'd start at midnight, you know, and I mean, <laughs> my dad would show up sometimes like, okay, I just want to make sure you guys are okay, because, you know, it was like downtown Chicago. I was, Kath and I were too young to get in the clubs when this started, so we had to you know, befriend the club owners to know <laughs> they'd be like, okay, girls, you're not drinking, are you? You know, like, like no, don't worry about it. We're, we don't care about drinking. We just want to have an audience. So <laughs> it it became 
kind of this buzz, like, oh yeah, those girls and sirens, and wow. this was before, before you know, before Tammy showed. Absolutely, yeah. And you know, in the beginning, they would just stare at us, and we thought, God, do they not like this or the, the sound? But you get off stage and love. That was great. They were just kind of <laughs> they they didn't know what to think. Like like you said, it was a little before your time, uh-huh. or what what ended up happening, you know, a decade later. <laughs> So is there is there one thing back then that you can point to and say that was my big break or was it just kind of a series of of things well, that snowballed? Like I said, it took many years and we we were in this band Sirens and then we met um Tommy Gwenda who ended up being the lead guitarist in Tammy show. Saw us one night and said, "Okay, you guys are you guys are fantastic. I want you to back up our band for the summer." So by the end of the summer, he decided, you know what, I want to be in band with you girls. <laughs> so <laughs> he left his band, and wow. he convinced us to drop our guys. <laughs> and that's how Tammy's show started, actually, when we met Tommy. And we morphed together. And I just had a feeling that he could really help us get the missing link of how do we get to the next place. And wow. I think I was right about that. And then Kristen... She ended up leaving to go to New York to work on some music projects there, so that's how it ended up being just Kath and I. Okay. It was Kath and I and Tommy, and I think that was a big turning point for okay. the group because he just had – he was older than us. He had more experience, and he had already—he been in a group called Pez Band in the 70s, and <laughs> he knew a lot of the ropes that we still needed to learn. Wow. So I think that that was a part of a break. And then – I'd say, and, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but what exactly, do you know exactly what you were aiming for at that time? I mean, were you aiming oh, yeah. for? We, in high school, we're like, we want to be in People Magazine or whatever. You know? <laughs> I mean, it was and we ended up that we were. So I guess like what they say, you know, envision what you want, right? And it was it was ridiculous when I think, I'm like, God, the audacity. You know, they think of certain things sometimes because I'm a little more, Humble now, I think. <laughs> but you had to have that drive. You would have never survived, you know, the <laughs> things that we had to do, I tell you right now. Wow. So um, I think then the next break was we made so many demo tapes, and mm-hmm. they would get around and never, all of a sudden, you'd get a call from this person that you never knew how they got your tape. I mean, that it was so weird that it was all about the demo tape. You know, there was no internet. <laughs> there was no... Absolutely. ...things to send over the computer. There was... Absolutely. A, ...like the coveted demo tape. <laughs> and um, we had a friend who was a sound engineer for touring bands that, you know, they were pretty famous. And he was in Chicago... I guess playing with one of the doing sound for one of the bands he was sound engineering for downtown at a club, and he would always put our tape on before the band played. So that night, in the audience was Nigel Harrison, who is the original place bass player in the band Blondie. Oh wow! Okay. He heard our tape come on the PA he was there to see the band or whatever and he went over to the the sound engineer and said who are who are what is this band this is incredible are they from England like he was really taken with and he's like hell no these are my friends they're not from England they're from Chicago 
So <laughs> Nigel was in town working on, he was a music supervisor on a movie that Joan Jett and Michael J. Fox were doing in Chicago called Light of Day. I don't know if you have ever heard of it. I have heard of it. I've seen it. Oh, okay. So in fact, I think I might still own it on VHS. Billy, so he was the musical supervisor. for. So he lived here for a few months. So he's like, well, i got to get a hold of these, these, this band. Wow. So we met him. It turned out we were playing uh, at Metro like the next Friday or whatever. So he came and saw us. He loved our live show. And he said, okay, I'm really good friends with producer Mike Chapman. Do you, would you mind if I give him your tape? Or like, mind? <laughs> we don't mind if you give him. He was like, he was on Tommy's short list of the producers that, you know, we wanted to work with. So we looked at him like, okay, fine, take it to Mike, go ahead. And two months later, we were in L.A. meeting with Mike. So that, I would I would think that was our biggest, biggest break right there, another big break. And in Absolutely. between, when we had met Nigel and when we had met, gone off to L.A. to meet Mike, Capitol Records had come in town and seen us and their – they had a A&R guy that never signed anybody, just came to the label, and he said, okay, you can sign one act this year, and he signed <laughs> Family Show. Hello. Yeah, so I think that day when we met him for lunch after our show that he saw us, he said, okay, I'm giving you guys a deal. That probably was even more exciting than the first time I heard myself on the radio. You know, it just, <laughs> I mean, I still remember it. <laughs> After five years of just slugging it out in clubs uh-huh. and driving a rehearsal in our car that, you know, we had to turn the, the heat on when it was 100 degrees outside or else the engine would overheat because we had to drive two hours to rehearsal. You know, stuff like that that just flashed. It was like, oh, it was all worth it. Okay. Wow. Next. <laughs> and so in- we went to L.A. and when Mike heard we were going to record with Capitol Records, he's like, well... You know, I've always have all these groups on Chrysalis, and <laughs> did, did you sign that deal yet? And we're like, well, actually, no, we didn't get a final draft. They've really been dragging their feet. He's like, good. He called up Terry Ellis and uh, the other, yeah, in Chrysalis in London and said, okay, there's a group I want to sign. Get a deal together. They're about to sign with Capital. I want them. Let's go. So wow. the last minute we signed with Chrysalis. They doubled our deal, which was nice, and uh, we were in the studio with Mike about three months later. Wow. And were you writing your own material at that time, or, or was it? Yeah, everything. Yeah, we wrote everything. And, with yeah, we did. And I, I would have written with other people. We actually tried to write with some outside writers at one point with some publishers when right when we Capital got interested in us, and uh-huh. it just didn't work out. It was so strange, just going into a room and trying to write a song with someone you didn't know. But I wasn't against it, but it didn't work out at the time. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I mean, I would think once you kind of get your own chemistry and, and know your own style, I would imagine it's hard for for an outsider of any stripe to come in and, and, and you know, think that... Yeah, I mean, the only person we wrote with was Mike, and that seemed to work out. Yeah. Yeah, so... So uh, where did the name Tammy Show come from? It actually, you know, it was a music show in the 60s. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know that. A music show of all these different bands. And so we kind of 
stole it from that. <laughs> At one point, they tried to sue us for it, but it was the it had it was spelled differently for their show, so we okay. got away with it. Yeah, it, this was after we had our hit, of course, and they're like they wanted to sue us for the name. <laughs> so yeah, it was like a music talent show in the sixties. Wow, all kinds of cool artists. I didn't watch it then, but that's where our attention was. <laughs> and later, our drummer actually brought it up to us, and we liked it, like the concept. So Excellent. So how tough was it for you in those days being women in what was traditionally a boys' club? I mean, to that, I mean, to that time, you, you can almost count on one hand the number of women who had made a, a, you know, a true and significant commercial impact in the world of rock. I'm not, I'm not talking about music in general, but I'm just talking about rock. I mean, there was, you know, Joplin, there was Debbie Harry, there was Pat Benatar. Um, that was, yeah, it was uh, pretty much between, it. I mean, Yeah, it was far and few between, between on the radio. I mean, I guess right before us, a few years before us, there was like bands like the Go-Go's and things, but we just weren't really that sound. We weren't that girly. Exactly, girly. exactly. So, yeah, it, it didn't deter us, but it was, uh, I think, because we had the guys in the band too and gave us a little bit of edge I think that that helped us even though when we finally got to the radio it was confusing because we weren't pop enough you know what I mean it was like we weren't those little teeny boppers sometimes we would travel with these radio shows and oh, we just did not fit in with, with those and no you know I everyone was wonderfully nice and nice people but we just we didn't fit in we never really fit in sometimes at the radio mm-hmm. so it was hard but you know i mean things were starting to happen in rock i mean uh there was a great lady named lita ford who was coming up you know right um, right yeah see mike also produced her record so oh wow we hung out with lita a lot actually wow yeah because um she actually would come by the studio all the time when we were making our first record because this was before before Mike was trying to resurrect her career, which he then ended up successfully doing for a while. So he was, she was on his imprint label with RCA, which was what Wanderlust came out on, actually. So we actually w- went to a lot of conventions with her, Kath and I. Wow. Her record was out when ours was. So <laughs> she was a riot. She was. Do we know what she's up to these days? Is she still is she still in the? She lives something like in the. Bahamas or somewhere, and she had two sons, she had two kids, and she's married. But I don't know anything about music in her. But I know that she speaks with Mike every now and then. Wow, I'm going to have to Google her and get her in here because. Yeah, <laughs> you do. She would. Oh, she's a mouthful. She does. She is. Oh, yeah. She would be a great guest. So did, did you have when when you were first starting out and you know you you went to LA and things were starting to kind of percolate did you have any idea what lay ahead of you as you said on on that course or what obstacles you would run up against Well yes I think that we were so happy to get how far we got at that point and I just you know you can you feel inside you believe and things started to come true that you always wanted to come true so we always had a lot of faith but when it's thrown at you that quickly, like all of a sudden, you know, overnight, I felt like we were in this. Mike was supposed to make a record with the Divinals, right? And he called us up one day and said, well, Chrissy Amphlett's not ready yet, so 
why don't you guys come to LA? We're starting in two weeks. And that was like, whoa. And whoa. Then, yeah, it just, everything went like 90 miles an hour. And we moved to LA for four months, and that was a trip. And we're hanging out at the record company all the time and meeting all these artists. It was It was so much fun. But we were more concerned about the music. We were not the party type of band at all. We were pretty down to business. So we were. I was just concerned: is this record going to turn out? And yeah. Or how much money are we spending? You know, we, we were not the, like the excess artists that didn't care about that kind of thing. We were uh-huh. pretty organized. Wow. You know, you mentioned Mike Chapman being your producer, and he produced both of the records, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he did. Both the Tammy Show records. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. How am you know? I had a I had a, um, uh, a great lady named Nia Peoples on my show last week. Okay. Uh, she's an actress and and she yeah. made a, she made a couple of records, uh, a couple of kind of dance inflected records in the late '80s and early '90s. And you know, she spoke to me. We spoke about that a, a bit. And she said that the one thing that she regretted about that experience was that she didn't have a single producer, you know, kind of working with her to kind of identify and create her own particular sound. Both of her records had, you know, multiple producers, and it was just kind of a, a smorgasbord that, that you know, didn't really have a particular voice or, you know, sound. And I'm wondering how important it was to you guys having the same producer for both records working all the way through, kind of helping you hone and, and you know, really kind of tap into your sound. The great thing about Mike is that he didn't want to change you. You know, he's like, I just want to record you guys how you are. And and, and I was kind of like, no, add us something. You know? <laughs> you're, you're the one that's been, like, having these number one records for years. And he, But he was against doing that. He's like, nope, I'm not. I just want you guys to sing and play, and I'm going to be here, and I'm not going to let the record company change you, you know, because that's what they like to do. So she's right. I mean, he didn't want to let that happen. So he had our back in that way. Wow. And that was great because, you know, you work all those years and then someone comes in and like, well, why don't you try this? Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> once in a while it works. Uh-huh. It does, and it's okay. But, I mean, I think if I was going to succeed or fail, I'd rather, you know, do it how, the, our, what we were, our sound. Absolutely. You know, I think art by committee is always a slippery slope. Yeah, so um and and we were and we ended up being received well at radio finally. So Absolutely. You know, how, how did you ever hear of us? Um on the radio. So where were you, you were in Texas? Uh-huh. Then? And okay. you know what? I don't I don't remember the first record. She's only 20. I don't remember yeah. ever hearing that on the radio. Right. But, that was yeah, that didn't get on the radio quite as much as uh, the second one. But let me tell you something. In the Amarillo area, in 1991, the truth was a smash. I mean, oh, I a know. smash. Well, we were, we were number one in Texas in one of the really big stations there. I think it was in somewhere Dallas, somewhere in Dallas. Okay. I know. It was, it was spotty across the country, but where <laughs> it was played, it was really, really it was, it was on. I, I was a sophomore in high school when that, when that thing hit. And it was, you couldn't escape it. I mean, and it was a, what a great song. Yeah, I know. Um, you know, Rush Limbaugh plays it all the time. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, I was actually going to ask you about that. People, like, contact me all the time, like, oh, I heard you today, Claire. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know, it's, it's, 
since 1991, he still plays. It's just, just so funny. And since, and my real liberal friends, you know, they get so mad at me because they're like, why are you on Rush? I'm like, sorry, it's not my fault. <laughs> I mean, Do I you used to get royalties from that or no? Um, it's kind of spot, like ASCAP is supposed to survey all that, and mm-hmm. they miss it half the time. So they're, they don't. Because it has to go through a search, and they it's it's because it's a bumper music. It's like it doesn't always count, even though, okay, here you are. You write a song, okay, and if you're not singing, if you're not performing it or it's on your record on the radio anymore, you think, what would be the second best thing? Hmm, how about the biggest syndicated radio show in, in the country, in the United <laughs> States, you know? You'd think you'd be making a mint, you know? Yes. <laughs> and, and, and or not. Wow, well, that's that's too bad. But you know, I I tell you who else plays it all the time. There's I don't know if you have if you have the satellite radio, but but I have XM radio and the the 90s on nine is a, it's a all 90s station. Oh really? I always hear the truth at least once a week. Oh cool. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah, it's uh it has a good it's a catchy song. It still is. So the first time you, you heard yourself see, on the you radio. See the video. Um yes, it's on YouTube. Oh okay. I didn't know if you saw it. I, I never saw it at the time. I, I, okay. I, I'll confess, I never saw it at the time. But uh, in preparing for this interview, I kind of, you know, Googled you and, and saw some things, and that video is on YouTube. So, okay. Absolutely. So the first time you heard yourself on the radio, was that, a, was that a massive, I mean, it must have been a massive thrill. Yeah, well, we had heard ourselves on the radio in Chicago with some things we used to do with people here, like radio, um, kind of like what you're doing, like certain people at talk show, radio shows, and yeah. we were kind of known, so like, hey, let's get the Massey sisters in here to <laughs> back off on our, there was a big DJ in Chicago called Steve Dahl, and he would always have us sing on, on he put out these kind of parody records, and he'd always have us sing on them. So I heard us in Chicago, but the first time we heard the the truth actually that was that was really exciting. We were driving to a gig in the town that it was being played, and it it just came on. And, you know, I couldn't turn the radio up loud enough. So, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's you could never get you don't get sick of that. <laughs> so talk about talk about the label switch. You start out on Chrysalis, as you mentioned, and then you guys went to RCA for the second record. Um, talk about what happened in in, yeah, well, in that Chrysalis, period of time. It was so they put out our record and. We got in the Hot 100. She's only 20. Got in the Hot 100, mm-hmm. and then they put out they put it out in England, and it did pretty well there. And then they put out our second single, Cupid Soldier, in England too. But they didn't put out a second single here, and it was there was lots of I, you know I don't know what it is with record companies. It's mm-hmm. like they they really like you and put all this money into you. <laughs> I mean that money was nothing compared to what they ended up spending you know in the 90s or but late 90s with bands, signings and things, but, and then they just fall to pieces and you don't even know what happens. And so Mike was horrified. He's like, what? <laughs> You're not putting on a second single? He, and Mike doesn't mince words. The guy is, he's, he's a trip. He's a powerhouse. He's type A personality. So um, he's like, well, if you guys aren't going to do it right, I'm going to do it right with them somewhere else. So wow. that was they basically let us out of our contract. So and we got to 
showcase for some other labels. And at that time, Mike had had made a deal with RCA Records for his own Dreamland Record imprint. So it was like a little offshoot of RCA Records. So he told them, this was the the, the time he was recording Lita, who was also came out on that label. Wow. I want to make the second record with Tammy Show, and I want them to be on RCA. And it turned out our A&R guy from Chrysalis <laughs> ended up leaving Chrysalis and going to RCA, so he was also our, our A&R guy at, at RCA. So it was like, that's the music business, you know. <laughs> We're like, oh, hey, Jeff, how's it going? Here we it's all a small are. world after all. Yeah. <laughs> so RCA then made a valiant effort, in the, of course, you know, in the beginning again. Yeah. And uh, they didn't have the muscle of what, say, a Columbia or a Warner Brothers at the time. They Years later, they got a lot stronger with Dave Matthews and bands like that. Yeah. But, so we were, when the, tr- the truth was on the Hot 100 for about four, it was it had a long run on the Hot 100, which told us that, you know, mm-hmm. the, the song had legs and it, mm-hmm. it grew on people and come on. And I think we were one station away from, which in R&R there's something called Breaker, where if you have a certain number of stations, then the rest add you. Absolutely. And it, then you just saturate the market. And then if you get Breaker, MTV also puts you in heavy rotation. So here we were, one station away from Breaker, and they, they, didn't, they just ran on steam and didn't put it over the edge because they're like, well, there's too many radio stations that want a dance mix to the truth. So they actually went out and made a dance mix just to get those other stations to add it. But it's just by the time they got those stations added, the other ones had been playing it for three yeah. and a half months already. And you kind of have to make it a little quicker than that. So you, they're playing you all at the same time. It's like a domino uh-huh. effect. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So he, Mike, was kind of livid at that point. And Kath and I had a 40-city radio tour. I mean, we were going everywhere on these little planes, you know, flying into – Timbuktu, it just didn't matter. We would go anywhere and do anything. So that's they were so happy with our effort and I think it set it up for more singles and more records and it would have been great, but the president of RCA and Mike Chapman got in a huge fight. And we were the fallout, our our contract. Wow. And we they already signed us to a second second record deal mm-hmm. but so we it was already signed signed and everything and we were about to go on a, a, a tour with the whole band and our lawyer called us up and said do you guys plan on making a second record with Mike <laughs> and we think well we think so I mean we haven't really we damn well hope about so. it yet we're yeah. still working on this one uh-huh. and and he's like well okay just wanted to know that and like the next day we got a call and there's like well they don't want you on the label anymore because we, and we didn't really know why at the time. And we found out later that Joe Galante, who was the head of RCA in New York at the time, who's now, he runs Nashville. He was, mm-hmm. he wasn't suited for a new, for a New York record guy. <laughs> Mike just, I guess in not so many words, had a swearing match with him because he wasn't working. Did he, did he do it to you came out as the second single and he just didn't work it very hard. And he was very frustrated, and it just, things escalated, and it was a clash of egos, and it was so ridiculous, because 
everyone at the label loved us. We were friends with every department head, mm-hmm. and they really believed in the band, and then it just ended up coming down to, you know, record company egos, egomaniacs. Wow. You know, you mentioned Did He Do It To You, and as I said, I grew up in the Amarillo area, and the truth was a huge hit in that area, and so was Did He Do It To You. I mean, that got, that thing got played on the radio for at least a couple of months. I mean, it was, you know... It, Every night, my my uh, pop station Z ninety three would do like a top nine at nine, um, like like top requests of the day, and both of those songs were huge on that countdown. Wow! That's, and so I wish it, we had been. Yeah, I didn't go to Amarillo. <laughs> I can't believe I, I should have been there. But not so me. you know, We're it, it, you now, right? It, yeah. <laughs> but it, it was stunning to learn later that that you know, both of those songs, but but especially did it do it to you? Were not top ten hits elsewhere because you know. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it was number one at many stations, but it was just, it was hard to get into, like in Chicago, it was hard to break through in Chicago. It was hard to break into New York or in Los Angeles. And those are, they just needed a couple more, and it it really would have flown, you know. That's what, but so, you know, you have to make another record. We were prepared to do that. It was all set off. We were, radio knew us and loved us, and, (laughs) but I think, um, Oh, I have a funny story about do you do too. We went to this, we had a radio show in, I think it was somewhere in Wyoming, and here and I, Kat, she was playing acoustic guitar. I'd play percussion or something. You know, it wasn't the whole band, and we'd do these acoustic versions of do you do it to you. Wow. And it was, like like in Amarillo, it was number one there, and the dance floor was just packed with couples slow dancing to us singing Dancing to It To You in an acoustic set. It was just, I'll never forget that. And so you're right, people really love that song. You know, it's, I mean, it's still hugely popular with, with people who know the song. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, it, it's, it's my favorite song off the album. Uh, yeah. And I would, I would imagine that most people who have that album would say the same thing. That's so cool. Yeah, so maybe we'll uh, revive at some point. I don't know. So if I asked you for eight bars of it, would you laugh in my ear? Oh, sure. You want me to sing it? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think uh, it's been a few years, but... Yeah. <laughs> did it do it to you? Like it did it to me? Did it make you tell all your secrets easily? Did it make your heart explode? Did it make your feelings show? Did it make you fantasize? Open hearted, did it turn loose? All I wanna know is if it did it, did it do it to you? To Wow. That's for you, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, you are so fantastic. <laughs> yeah, next time. You'll need it with the harmony with my sister Kat. Absolutely. So. We're, I, I tell you what, we're, the, the next time you come on the show, and hopefully this is the first of many visits, uh, you you are commanded to bring her along. <laughs> oh, I hope so. She'd love to meet you. Kat, Kat is the loud sister. I'm actually more demure than her, so <laughs> she'd have a lot to say. So do you have a personal favorite among the Tammy Show material? Oh, let's see. Well, I don't want to talk about the first record because you don't know that one, right? I, I do know that one. Oh, see, okay, I didn't know if you knew that as well. 
Um, I mean, uh, uh, there's no question that among the two, Wonderlust is my favorite. But but okay. absolutely, I have both yeah. of them, and um, I love them both. I love singing "Cry Blue." Okay. On Wanderlust and State of September. Yes, 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 is, yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. Is probably. <laughs> and sometimes I think I was talking to Cass about because I told her I was going to do this. I'm like, I was thinking, you know. Stale September, I was trying to remember what we even wrote it about. <laughs> like, I didn't know where my head was then. But I love singing that. And uh, I really hope that um, her and I are going to make another record again someday. Wow. So, because I think that, you know, Tammy Show had been together for seven years by the time the mishap with RCA happened. And it's not like we ever even broke up. It was just like we stopped rehearsing. We stopped writing songs together, and it just kind of dissipated. Like, everyone was in it just, like, shock. Like, how could this? <laughs> and we just had to take a breath, and um, a couple people, and it was a little bit of band dissension, and it just, we didn't have a, the power. You know, we were kind of drained. <laughs> wow. And uh, so, but I, I think that Kath and I will rise again and do something and you know we kind of went our separate ways for a while but i think maybe with my older sister too i think the three of us are gonna you'll hear from the matthew sisters one way fantastic i i can't <laughs> wait and i certainly hope you'll keep me posted uh-huh <laughs> so someone in the chat room was mentioning do you love enough was a great song oh yeah do you love enough to make me roll yeah that, i was gonna say that one too mm-hmm. that one cruises <laughs> I wish that had been on the radio more, actually. I mean, I get royalty statements from playing in uh, Spain or something, you know, so I know it's, oh, wow. it's still played places. Yeah, I mean, it was, it, we really were all over the world. We got airplay, so, but it's just, you can't imagine it when you get these royalty statements. Like, how does this person in Portugal, when was it playing in Portugal, you know? <laughs> and did you get to go all over the world kind of promoting it or, or not really? Um, we didn't go... All over the world, no. Well, all over the United States only. Wow. So yeah, is it still possible to, to, to find a, da- a, a copy of this dance mix of the truth? Because I'm dying to hear what... Oh, I'll, what send, the... I'll send you one. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, no, I'll send you it for sure. Fantastic. So just email me wherever your address is. And it's, yeah, it's kind of dorky, but like when we hear it, I'm like, oh, no, but... Because that, I mean, that's, already, that's already a pretty danceable song. Yeah. I can't imagine what what they would come up with to to make it more on tempo. Drum, little loops, and you know, it's. <laughs> I don't know. When we first heard, like, oh, I don't know about this, but you know, we were gonna fight it. You know? <laughs> I don't know how we would have reproduced that one live, but. Um, yes. No, I'd love you to hit comment on it. That's so funny. You got to hear it now. Wow. Well, I tell you what, I'll send you my address the minute we wrap here. Oh yeah. So I tell you what, I've got a phone call from the eight four seven area code in your own backyard. Would you okay. like to take a phone call? Sure. Area code eight four seven, you are on the line. Can you hear me? I can. Well, the Salt Palace in uh, Salt Lake City—that's the first place I saw. Oh, okay, wow. yeah. <laughs> that was a big radio show. I was in awe. It was a radio. Uh, Radio promotion. There was a bunch of bands playing, but I remembered you guys. Right, it was amazing. Feet on stage, and it is one of those things where you have such a big crowd like that, where there were really thousands of people there at this radio show, and you break into your.
song, which was the the truth, the hit, and just the place just goes nuts, you know. And that Absolutely. was when you see that many people, you know. I think there was that, I think there was fifteen thousand people. There. Yeah, that was one. Yeah, that was one of the more exciting gigs, actually. Yeah, I remember. I remember you and your sister. Just amazing vocals, and the musicians were amazing. The drummer, especially. I yeah, I couldn't Kenny remember Hark. his name, but and Kenny Hark. Uh huh. Yeah. Is that his name? Yeah. And the sound, our sound men were very good too. That I'll give them that. <laughs> That's part of the reason why we sounded so good. <laughs> well, that was a great show. That was the only band that I really liked that night. Oh, cool! Great. Well, let's see. I don't know what else to say. I sat on the phone for a while. <laughs> oh, really? Oh. Okay. But, but uh, that's a no, good memory. I, yeah, that's a good yeah. Memory. No, it was. It, I'm glad it you was brought really, that up. No, it was really good, and and uh, I'm still glad you're around. I hope you guys get together again. Yeah, I remember getting our equipment to Salt Lake because there was some mix-up, and we couldn't almost didn't have our equipment there in time, and it was a big disaster. But the show went on. That was a great. Yeah, show. it was great. Amazing. Thanks for calling in. Wow. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Good luck. <laughs> Bye. Thanks Bye. a lot. So, you know, we're, in, the, in the past couple of years, we're starting to see this, this new fad with bands like Radiohead and the Eagles, ACDC Prince. They're kind of all stepping outside the constraints of the old system, the old machine, and, you know, take control of their product, their image. And, you know, you're you're kind of you've kind of come to a similar place in your thinking. Granted, on a much smaller scale, but you've you've kind of come to the same place, the same conclusion. Um, creatively, what are the pros and cons of of being in the major label system and of being on your own? Well, I don't think I could have done it on my own right now if I hadn't learned what I did working with the major labels. So that was that behooves you greatly, I think. I learned all about radio, and I actually put a song out at radio on my own, out of my kitchen, actually, wow. um, in 2002, and it did, for what for what I put into it, it did phenomenal. It got, it was gotten the top 20 on the FMQB stations all around the country, actually, because so many people remembered me from Tammy's show. Absolutely. That, and not, I mean, they also really liked the song, so... My promo guys were like, "God, can we get this to the R and R stations? Like, it's doing so well. Like, they had, they just, it was, no one expected it to have that uh-huh. kind of reception. You know, just putting it out myself. Uh-huh. And so, I, I wouldn't be able to know the ropes of how to do that without having the major label. So, that I'm glad I had that. I don't, I don't know what it would have been like if I had never done that. Absolutely. But um. Right now, I don't I don't really know what labels points are actually. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's I don't even think about a labels anymore. And my sister Kristen, who um, was sang with us in the beginning, she's a songwriter in Nashville. And since she's been there, unless she doesn't even know one person that that she works with that got signed, it's like they don't even sign anybody anyway. Wow. So. I don't think you're you're missing out if you if you really got something. I think you can still make it happen up until without them. And then you know, I, I just think if you're not if you hadn't had that experience, I think it would be more difficult to know how stuff works. Absolutely. You know, we we were talking before the show, you and I, about 
kind of this this brave new thing called the internet, which is opening things up on such a massive scale that is unprecedented. I mean, you know, we're talking with with things like MySpace, with things like you know what I'm doing here at Blog Talk Radio. I mean, it's it's putting the power completely back in the creative people's hands, and kind of maybe not completely eliminating the middleman, but but changing the 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 shape and the form of the middleman. Yeah, I think it's um, it does give the artists more power. And see, like I'd like to just put out a single every couple months. You know what I mean? It's it, even the, like the full length records seem laborious to me in some respects. I think wow. it should go back to what it, how it used to be. Like you wrote a song and you put it out because <laughs> you can do that now. It's like it's so single driven anyway. Or people like buy a song here, buy a song there. Absolutely. So that's not. I think we we don't know what's how, how things are really going to end up now. But that business model, the old one, is <laughs> is, is not not happening. So you know we'll see what happens. I mean, a lot of people get music for free, so that's hard too. I mean, I don't even really think about the money part anymore. Mm-hmm. But I'm just still I'm ecstatic when. Uh, I mean, I still hear from so many Tammy Show fans. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, there's day. there's no doubt about it. And um. They are always excited to to get my new things, my person, you know, the things I put out on my own. I was so excited to find your website when I was, you know, looking for you because it. I just kind of uh, googled your name on a lark, and there your website came up, and I was so excited. I was jumping around here because <laughs> you know it's. <laughs> I'm so glad that I met you. That's so cute. <laughs> And you know, I mean, it, it wouldn't have happened a few years ago. I mean, and if oh, we, if I know, we, exactly, yeah. I mean, you couldn't. I don't. Yeah, I don't know what would have done, what we would do if. I mean, if this hadn't happened, and then, you know, back then, you you had to have a record deal. You had yeah. to have all those all those departments. You had to. And now, yeah, you don't. So. Wow. So you know, it, there's there's no doubt about it that the digital revolution has completely changed the way we we receive and consume music. Um, there's no question about it. Have, has it changed the way you create music? No, actually, it hasn't. I get, I get a, my certain producers in town that help me record my stuff. Like, they get kind of frustrated with me. Like, Claire, yeah, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta learn more on this computer stuff and the Pro Tools and this and that and the other. I'm like, no, uh, I just write. Like, I, Tommy from. Uh, Tammy show he I still write all my stuff with him we we're we like to write together still and he's the same way it's like we just sit there and we're a little tape recorder <laughs> put down our ideas and then go rehearse with a bass player and a drummer and put our record it again and then wow. go do basic tracks you know I really don't use the tools like GarageBand on my Mac computer as much as I should, it just <laughs> it takes out the the vibe out of it for me. Uh huh. I know. Sometimes I wonder. Yeah, if I was better at that, would I just be a lot more prolific? But it hasn't happened yet. That's the honest answer. You know, I saw I saw an, an interview with uh, Billy Joel a while back, and and he said that he always prefers it, or you know, back when he was recording pop music, uh, that he always preferred it when you know everybody was together in the room. Right. The the piano player, the guitar, you know, everybody was in the room together, recording the song, and and you know, I think that with all these fancy, you know, newfangled technological advances, I think that artists have kind of lost some of that. Yeah, that's the part of the 
technology, I think, that isn't so great. I mean, this last EP I'm working on right now, we actually, we did that. You know, everyone was playing at the same time in the studio downtown, and uh, we even went to tape. We didn't even go to Pro Tools. We went to a two-inch tape like we used to make our records. <laughs> I just like that sound better. Uh-huh. And we we fly that into Pro Tools, so it's funny. Yeah. Wow. So tell me this: How do how do you consume music? Do you still go to record stores and browse? Do you? Um, you know, I loved to do that. I really love to do that. But there are not any to go do that anymore. Isn't it? Isn't Downtown, it so? Downtown, they've even closed. You know, so I can go to Target and look at CDs. That's about <laughs> it. <laughs> I mean, do yes, they still have Virgin on in LA anymore? I don't know. You know what? They just announced our records could, there. I don't know. They just announced that all the versions will be closed by summer. Yeah, so no. Um I guess uh you know, I, I get stuff from iTunes and listen there, but no, I loved to do that. I loved it. But. So who do you listen to these days? Whose whose music kind of touches you, whose music makes you, you know, think damn that's good. It seems like I, I really still listen to a lot of my old records, I have to say. Not, I mean, when I'm at home, most of the time I listen to jazz and classical. I have okay. to hit too. <laughs> but I, I think um, I could be better at the new cutting edge stuff. I think I need. I think you, you probably could tell me some good bands. I should write some <laughs> names down. <laughs> I tell you what, the the record that I'm crazy about for the past, I don't know, six months or so is uh, there's a band called Kings of Leon. They're from Tennessee, and. Okay. Uh, they're, they just re- they released their fourth album back in September, and it is unbelievable. Kings of Leon, and what kind of music is that? It is uh, it's it's rock more or less. I mean, there's there's touches of pop, there's touches of folk, there's touches of of grunge. It's it's you know it's a pretty interesting mix. But it's four cousins out of Tennessee, and and they are incredible. So that's that's if if you ask me what one record I'm crazy about for the past yeah, okay. half a year, that's the one. It's called Only by the Night and they are fantastic. Only by the night. Yeah. Only by the night. Okay, I'll listen and let you know what I think. I think I need more suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I'll send you a list of things that I'm okay. that I'm nuts about. So Ooh, Okay, great. Absolutely. Yeah, because you know I'm a huge music lover, and I I'm not even that picky, you know, when it comes down to it. But I I guess I do. I love rock music. I think we probably have similar tastes. <laughs> so, do you prefer live performing to studio work, or oh, does absolutely. each kind of have their own? No, a lot. Yes, I like I like an audience, whether it's with a full band, whether it's just an acoustic show. That's where it's at to me. More than the studio, especially as time has gone by, I'm getting. I don't want to get too picky in the studio, you know, because I think it kind of can ruin some recording. And uh-huh. I find myself being that way. I'm like, oh, Claire, lighten up. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, yeah, live. I mean, that's when you. That's when it really happens. To me. Absolutely. So. And I would imagine that's 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 when you that's when you really know if you're any good or not. I would imagine. Uh huh. Because uh-huh. you get that instant feedback. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you know mm-hmm. instantly. 
Yeah, and you can always tell when you start a new song that you're like, God, how is this going to go over? <laughs> and if you're really uncomfortable when you're playing it for people, you know it's not quite good enough. <laughs> it's always good to do that before you record it. Because why spend all that time recording it when before you suss it out live? So, yeah. Wow. Do you have any regrets? Anything you'd do over if you could? Um, oh, well, I, oh, ton of them. Are you kidding me? I'm like, I, yeah, it always bugs me when people go, oh, no regrets at all. <laughs> I wouldn't change a thing. I'm like, no, no, yes. I <laughs> um, no, well, I, Tammy's show to me should have never stopped. It really, I mean, I've loved stuff. I've done a lot of playing, recording. I've made many records since then, but it, I love, you know, I loved it. It was, it was something that we built, and it was, it was out there. And it's, I always say, yeah, we broke up at the 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 peak of our our fame. We were like the police, yeah, come and gone. For wow. most people, thought that, but we had been, like I said, we'd been together for seven years at that point. But um, I think, uh, regardless of the record company problems, you know, we still could have gone on, but there there were just some dissension with the group and uh we fine we should have taken a break but then continued especially at the time i think it started to be in our favor at that point with women in rock or what have you absolutely you know with 90s came you you know it was really broke through and we had been doing it for all those before all those people were you bet you know, people like Tori Amos and Liz Fair, PJ Harvey, um, yeah. Alanis Morissette. You know who is my favorite of all those girls? I love Fiona Apple. I love her. Absolutely. Yeah, I just I listen to her first record a lot still. You know that girl, that especially back then, but that girl was working on a totally different plane from everybody mm-hmm. else. I mean. Yeah, she was. So I listen to her stuff, and still I like to. It's still fresh to me. And, you know, you mentioned that whole Lilith explosion with Alanis and Joan Osborne, and, mm-hmm. and you know, it's – it's you don't want to say that you happened just a little bit before your time, but in some ways you might have. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's why I said if we had kept going, it would have fit in, and we would have been gotten on all those radio stations we kind of couldn't quite get to because it became, oh, well, women – of course women are going to be all over the radio. It's just uh-huh. – yeah, we were – it was happened a little too soon and then we stopped a little too soon so yeah i regret that but i'm I'm very very happy i got to experience the dream that i set out to do and it it was it was fantastic so absolutely you know it's funny you say that about radio i remember reading some interviews when when sarah mclaughlin was first coming up and you know she's a huge star now but you know back when she was first coming up she would tell stories like she would tell stories about going to radio stations and you know trying to get them to play her music, and they would tell her things like, "Well, we can't add you because we added Tori Amos this week." And, exactly. You know, I know. God we forbid we had two female artists the same week. Yeah. yeah. We heard that a lot about <laughs> you can't, you know, we just play. We can't. They couldn't play a female vocal back to back on the radio. <laughs> I mean, come on. How many men were they doing that with? A lot of stations had that problem, and then of, that all changed, and it, it broke through, and they couldn't. Then they could not play females. Back exactly. Back. So, yeah. You know, once you take the cork off the bottle, it's hard to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God. So, 
what's on the horizon for Claire Massey? What what's what's coming down the pike? Well, I'm in I'm in a couple other bands here other than my own music. One is actually it's a pop standard jazz group and it's called Steve Dubin and the Blue Swingers and he the lead of that group actually lives in Austin half the year. So maybe you'll catch me down there. <laughs> it's his group at some point. And it's 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 really fun. It's completely different than any wow. you know, my other stuff I do. But I kind of if you ever come this way, you better look me up. Oh, I kind of sit in. <laughs> oh, I will. So he he's in Austin right now and wow, he's building. He's actually I just talked to him the other day. He was building a a rehearsal studio and a coach house to have you know his bands rehearse there. But he's in Chicago the other half of the year, and that's when we play out. And then there's another group I'm in called Zoom, which is I never thought I'd be in a cover band. I mean, that sounds ridiculous, right? But it is so, it is such a blast. We do songs from the 60s and 70s, really cool ones. And they're fantastic musicians here in Chicago. They used to be like kind of all the session guys. Mm -hmm. They're just, they're really great. And I'm the female in the band, so I get to sing all the female numbers of that era. How fun is that? Yeah, it's really fun, and people go nuts. Do you launch into Peace of My Heart? Uh, well, oh, God, yeah, I, I, I don't do that, but I'll put that on the list. <laughs> yeah, we do a lot of Blondie stuff and Pretenders. And oh, wow. A lot of Motown stuff, and it's so much fun. I wish we could tour with that band. That's how fun it is. It's just like this great party. That would be a blast. Yeah, it's really fun, and, and it's just not that typical cover thing because the song choices are really interesting and the way – we put them together. I mean, when we rehearse, I'm just sitting there like, God, I like being there. You know what I mean? Just listening to it. Wow. So I do that, and then in the late spring or this summer, I'm going to put out another EP of my own stuff that Tommy and I wrote. Excellent. And then after that, I want to have Kath and I and my older sister, Chris, do a pro- like a Massey Sister Project. Really, really want to do that. Wow, I think we all want that. Yeah, kind of like full circle. Okay, time to time to go back to the basics, what, where it all started. I mean, I have to do that before I'm 75. <laughs> I mean, it just has to happen. So. I'm well, I want to tell everybody listening that Claire has a magnificent website. It's called Planet Claire. It's planetclaire.com, C-L-A-I-R-E, um, and that's how I found her, so... And you can listen to music up there. There's a great interview about Tammy Show. There's a blog. There's all kinds of pictures. I mean, it's it's a really great site. Thanks. So glad you found it. As, me too. I tell you what, I am so. This was such a great thrill speaking to you tonight. And you know, it's it's as I said. I hope this is the first of many conversations because you have oh, a standing and permanent form here. Yeah, anytime it's you wish. It's a thrill for me to think that you were, you know, a sophomore in high school and you. Hurt, you were inundated with our You songs. bet. And um, now we're talking all these years later. It's Absolutely. Crazy. Isn't it crazy? I mean, that's kind of how, why you do it. So, I mean, at this, at you know, in 2009, at this point, it, it's really exciting to me that, that that happened. So thanks so much. Thank you. I mean, this, like I said, this was truly a great thrill and a great, great honor. I'm a, I've been a big <laughs> fan for a long time. So it's, the pleasure is all mine, believe me. Okay. <laughs> So before I let you go, could I get you to do a quick promo for my show? Oh, absolutely. As long as you include the words Claire Massey and Brandon's Buzz, 
the rest is totally up to you. Okay. Ready? Yes, I am. Hi, everybody. This is Claire Massey from Tammy Show, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. Great guy. Great show. Check it out. Fantastic. Thank you so, 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 so much. Okay, and uh, be sure you give me that list of cool bands. I absolutely will. I'll do it tonight. address so I can send Fantastic. you the truth remix. Fantastic. I cannot okay. wait. Thanks so much, Brandon. Thank you so much. Okay, talk to you later. Thank you. Bye. The phenomenal Claire Massey, everybody, on Brandon's Buzz. Uh, Brandon's Buzz in the can for Thursday, February, February March 5th, 2009. Um, what a great lady, what a great show. Thank you so much for tuning in and coming by to hang out with us for a bit. Um, uh, uh, this is my last show for the week. Next week, I have a definite show with Courtney and Nelly, the webmasters of the OneTreeHillWeb.net uh, website. It's kind of the most comprehensive One Tree Hill resource on the web, and uh, that's going to be coming up on Wednesday, March 12th, March 11th, Wednesday, March 11th. 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific with Courtney and Nelly. And I have a show that's not scheduled yet with Jimmy Demers, a fantastic singer. Even if you don't know his name, I guarantee you, you know his voice. And that was not scheduled yet. We're still hammering out dates, but that will be happening next week. Cross your fingers, God willing. So two great shows next week. And uh, I also want to tell you about my friend Joanne. She has a great show called Stardish. It can be found at www.blogtalkradio.com slash stardish. In fact, she's on the line right now. I'm going to bring her on so that she can talk about a big show that she has coming up next week. Joanne, are you on the line? I'm on the line. We've got a big show coming up next week. Tell us all about it. we got a big, big show coming up for Blog Talk Radio. We have Taylor Lautner, who is playing Jacob Black in the Twilight series Sagas. And he will be joining me on my show, Stardish Radio, uh, blogtalkradio.com backslash Stardish Radio. And um, it's, it's going to be fabulous. It's going to be big. We have special um, uh, giveaways going on up until, the, uh, up until the show. Matter of fact, on Saturday, uh, let's see here. Anne and I want to just pull up the time. Anne and Burl Gregory, who um, have a show on Blog Talk Radio, will be having a show. Annie and Burl Live, sorry. Um, they have a guest, Tyrone Wells, and they'll be giving away Twilight DVDs on uh, Saturday night. Um, wait, tomorrow? Oh, today's Friday. Yeah, okay. I'm looking at the clock wrong. Like, hello. Uh, yeah, Saturday from <laughs> 9 to 11. So you can find them on Blog Talk Radio under Annie and Burl Live. So they'll be giving away some DVDs for Twilight. And um, we have uh, – it's just going to be huge. Did I, t- I got emails from Spain today <clears throat> asking me how they can participate in the show. I mean, it's crazy. Unbelievable. And then Seamus Dever is coming on. Uh, he rescheduled, so he'll be back on uh, the 10th. So Fantastic. I want every yeah I want everybody to at least TiVo on ABC <laughs> Monday night TiVo you get it TiVo uh, Monday night 10 p.m. Eastern time uh, Castle is the new show starring Nathan Fillion and uh, Seamus Dever. 
so TiVo that and then come on Stardust Radio on the 10th because we're going to be reviewing the show. He wants to hear the listeners' point of view and the fans and um, we'll be dishing about what's next for him. He's officially on hiatus. They finished filming the entire season already. Wow. And the premiere is just Monday, so go figure on that. And uh, so it's going to be a really, really cool show. And it's been it's been available online for for a time now, has it not? The... Um, you know what? Little bits and pieces have okay. been. Um, you know, I've I've seen the screener of it, and it's a really really funny show. Oh. Nathan Fillion is really great, and Seamus plays a character, Detective Kevin Ryan, and he's got like a quirky personality, and a lot of um, he's one of those guys that has a wealth of uh, <clears throat> unimportant knowledge. You know, that he just likes to throw at you. You know, those, like, unimportant facts that re- uh-huh. nobody really cares about. So that's, uh-huh. like, what he plays like a quirky guy. So, you know, he went from this psycho killer man on General Hospital to uh, a de- regular old doctor on Army Wives, and now he's playing a detective. So it's pretty cool. Wow. <clears throat> and he's such a nice guy. Oh, my gosh, such a nice guy. Yes, I'm still smiling he... over the, the, the apology. <laughs> Absolutely. He was scheduled for last week on Stardish, and he couldn't make it because he was still on set. And so he sent Joanne a hilarious picture of him and Nathan Fillion holding a handwritten note, kind of, kind of like uh, what a kid would take to school from a, from a doctor uh, or, or a parent. This is it was they were holding a handwritten note written by Nathan, kind of uh, begging to be excused from Stardish duty because he was still on set filming. It was a, it was and a their great, faces great picture. are priceless. Absolutely. Oh, so yeah, Seamus is a really, really great guy, so I'll do anything to help him out. So if you guys are on Facebook, request me on Facebook, and Branton, invite all your, I sent you the invite uh, to come on, so when uh, you get a minute, go on Facebook and uh, uh, click on that event, and it'll take you, it'll say invite people to join, invite all your friends to join. You know, that's the best way to kind of... um, you know, get more people involved, you know. So, like, when I when you have your shows, I'll go on at your event and I'll invite everybody off of my list. So, Excellent. like, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, um, absolutely. So, this way it'll uh, kind of guarantee a little bit more of a bigger audience. I mean, who doesn't watch ABC, truthfully? You know, you got to watch <laughs> something funny. That's what i got to say. But, um, <clears throat> uh, anyhow... Did you, uh, on a different topic, did you see on Dancing with the Stars, Jewel and Nancy O'Dell are out? No, I didn't. Uh, Jewel was um, complaining of pain, and she figured it was just from the long hours of rehearsal. Well, Mm -hmm. it turned out she had two broken tibias in both of her legs. Wow. And didn't know it. Okay. And Nancy O'Dell has to have surgery on her knee from an injury from rehearsals. So, so who's taking their place? Do we know? Well, you know what? The rumors are Holly Madison, one of Hep's old girlfriends, okay. will be taking Jules' place. But they're going to announce the details on opening night. Who's going to like the both of them will be there for the opening night? But I, they're they're obviously not going to be performing. But um, they'll both be there for opening night, and that's when we'll get the details on who's taking their places. I got you. So um, you know, too bad for that. You know. Jewel uh, was really, because her husband is actually dancing as well. He's a, 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 a um, the heck is he, a, a rodeo guy? Yeah, his name is Ty Murray. Ty, yes, he's actually dancing as well. 
and they were looking forward to that, actually working together. So she said, um, for her, actually for her next two performances, Jewel, uh, her next two concerts, she has to do them sitting down. And um, <laughs> seriously, so she was like a little weirded out by that. And um, uh, she said that she'll probably, probably be performing on Dancing with the Stars. Okay. Instead, you know, that she can't dance. So. Yeah. But, uh, so that's that on the reality set. And I know you don't watch The Bachelor, but I'm not watching it ever again. <laughs> I'm, I'm vowing off The Bachelor. Yeah, I kind of heard about the uproar, and I went and, and kind of researched it a bit. Man, it, it sounds like, I don't know, it sounds like there was foul play involved somewhere. But you want to know they, something? They he, swear it he, wasn't. Yeah, they do. They're, they're all rebutting it. But you know what? He was last year's cast off, and he was all the single dad and the sweet, cute guy. What he did to that girl on TV was just utterly ridiculous, okay? Ridiculous. And notice the words I'm emphasizing, ridiculous, okay? <laughs> so he, he was just, I couldn't believe he did that to that girl. And you know what? I was really rooting for her, for her, for her to be with him, because to me, she was the one who was so caring about his son, and she just really, really bonded with him. And for him to say that for months and months at a time that, you know, it just wasn't working out, and he was going to tell her live on television? Are you kidding me? <laughs> and you want to know something? I was very proud of her reaction. She friggin' told him flat out, she's like, you know what? I thought everything was fine, but now you're sitting here telling me you have feelings for you know, for Molly or whatever. She's like, don't text me, don't call me, stay away from me. She said, don't come near me. She took off that ring, and she handed it back to him. She got up to walk out, and he tried to walk her out, and she kind of like pushed him off of her and was like, back up, you know, see you later. And I'm mm-hmm. glad she did that. And then 20 minutes later, he's in the arms of this other chick, Oh, I still love you, and I never stop loving you. I just, and she's like, well, what about? Mostly? He's like, oh, I just broke up with her, and he, she was like, what? And she's like, yeah, I just broke up with her. So whatever. Yeah, I do believe that there was something involved, just a little bit. And you know what? If there wasn't, then that just makes the 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 former Mister Nice Guy a jackass. Absolutely. Stupid. So no, I'm done with the Bachelor. I'm done. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I can't be bothered no more. Nobody stays together anyway. There's only one person that stayed together out of all these series. Mm-hmm. So, whatever. Um, what else is going on? Nothing, right? Nothing I know of. I don't think so either. I know I'm supposed to be getting some emails um, regarding a 1-800 number we're going to have for the show on Monday. Okay. There's a... a um, you, uh, people will actually be able to text um, uh, to to uh, uh, get a reminder when Jacob uh, Jacob when Taylor is actually on the air, so they can tune in. Okay. But what they're expecting is um, now. Remember, you, you see how when we have guests in the chat room and it fills up to two hundred. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess for certain shows, and maybe it's people who've been on the air longer than we have, or whatever certain shows will pop up extra chat rooms. Oh, wow, okay. And it goes over 200, and they're expecting at least 10 or 11 chat rooms Wow. Uh, to open up. 
Hmm. Bring her on. If and you don't you've mind. Got, you've got one person tracking all that, or, or? Um, you know what? They got a whole team of people, Brandon. A whole team of people. So I mean, I'm gonna have one producer. That's Nikki, and she is uh, a doll, and she'll be uh, screening out all the weirdos and making sure that Taylor is comfortable and he's only getting questions that he's supposed to be getting. Um, we may only have him for 30 minutes, you know, because he will actually be on set. Yeah, you said that. So, um, you know, it, it's going to be crazy. So it's, uh, um, I don't know who exactly is going to be monitoring all the chats. I know John Sweet, who's, does, who's part of BTR and, um, everybody and their mother is involved in this one, you know. I ended up having to go on um, Buzzworthy Radio earlier to uh, do a promotion, and um, they uh, gave away the DVD, and uh, one of our loyal listeners ended up winning it, uh, Brandy. Um, oh, wow, okay. You know, and uh, uh, and then Saturday, Annie and Burrell are going to be giving them away, and I should be getting... Um, uh, no, uh, what you call? I should be getting a list of uh, the rest of the shows that'll be giving stuff away this weekend. Excellent. You know, it's yeah. so great how they're turning this into a big deal because it's 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 really a big deal, not just for you, but for you know the network as a whole. Right. It is. It's a big, big deal. Big, big deal for them. You know, uh, I think that. This will probably be one of their biggest interviews compared to, uh, you know, other than Brad Pitt. And um, uh, uh, the Jonas Brothers, the mom was on, you know, not too long ago. And evidently there was a lot of chat rooms that opened up for them too. I forget how many she said, uh, up to six or seven. Wow. So, um, I think it'll bring a lot of ears to Blog Talk Radio who have have never heard about it, or if they have heard about it, they've never tried it out. I think it's going to bring a whole new... Well, absolutely. Movie. You know, you go ahead and Google Twilight, and Blog Talk Radio is all over it right now. Wow. You know, I mean, and I mean, it, it, it's funny how you know when you tag something, um, what actually comes up. Like with Claire Massey, <clears throat> I wanted to hear one of her songs because I, I didn't remember who she was, mm-hmm. and I just put her name in the chat room because I couldn't remember what her website was. I mean, in the uh, Google bar, mm-hmm. and your show was the first. Show your your show was the first listing on Google to come up under her name. Wow. So I mean, you never know what's going to happen, but yeah, you put my show in my name or even Twilight and Blog Talk Radio is attached to everything. So I think Blog Talk is really, really going to benefit from this, and I, I'm so proud to be a part of it. You know, I've met so many nice people in the process, and um, you know, hopefully, you know, it'll go extremely well. And they'll use me for more, you know? Absolutely. Because uh, I find it just absolutely thrilling. It is such you know? a thrill. It's, it's Monday night. It's March 9th, mm-hmm. 9 p.m. Eastern. Yes, 9 p.m. Eastern. 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, with Twilight and New Moon star Taylor Lautner on Stardish, www.blogtalkradio.com slash mm-hmm. Stardish. Yes. So, um, and from what I understand, they pretty much blocked all shows that night. Wow. Um, in between the primetime hours, you know, uh, other than 8 o'clock. I, oh, and uh, Fly Lady um, is going to be doing a pre-show at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Oh, wow, okay. With um, Alan Levy, the CEO and founder of Blog Talk Radio. 
fantastic. So they'll be doing a pre-show to get everybody all pumped up. So go visit the Fly Lady on the, the homepage of blogtalkradio.com. She's got her own channel. Uh, she's a very interesting woman. I love her to death. I love her accent. I just I, I fell in love with her having being on her show that day. Um, you know, and, and it's nice because I get to meet more people too. You know, mm-hmm. I was on another show earlier, Sean and um, Deb for the BTR Insider, uh, Sean Daly, and uh, it, it was, it's just really cool. I'm I'm really happy about it. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so you know, I, I you know who I feel sorry for is Nikki, the producer, because she's gonna have to you know uh, uh, she's gonna have to screen all the weirdos that call. <laughs> now we got all these friggin' stalkers, you know. Yeah, I'm sure you'll have a few. Oh yeah, just a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> uh, you got it, but um, so that's that. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about Seamus coming back on. And then I'll be going on Rock the Soap, and I'm working on some other people. And, uh, you know, come April 1st, hopefully we'll have a big anniversary show. Stardust Radio's been on the air for one year. Absolutely. So um, definitely working on a lot of stuff. But April will probably be where I get back into the big swing of things. Not much going on in the month of March. Oh, James Reynolds, I'm sorry. Oh, yes, what's that? Yes, I'm sorry. That's going to be probably the week of the 23rd when I come back. Okay. I'm waiting for him to pick a date. Evidently, his daughter's in uh, uh, in her last uh, couple weeks of giving birth, so he doesn't want to commit to anything, and it okay. should be before that. And then um, there's another gentleman from True Blood who's going to be coming on. Uh, uh, I'm waiting to hear back also from that. So that should be by, towards the end of March also. So we'll see. And I got some feelers out for a few other people. And um, uh, Oh, and Fanola Hughes is going to be on In the Zone tomorrow. That's what I wanted to tell you. Really? Yes. I just Excellent. found that out. Yeah. So, um, of course, I'm sure that's their time, 10 o'clock Eastern time. Absolutely. That's that In the Zone radio. Um, gosh, I don't have their phone number in front of me. Otherwise, I'd spit it out, you know, so people listening that ain't on the computer can call. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of it. But um, anyhow, uh, just Google it and you'll find it. Excellent. Well, my day job schedule gets really crazy in the back end of March, so I will be going on hiatus after next week. Um, But I am cutting together some best-of shows to air, so I'm not totally dark. Mm -hmm. And then I will be back in April with uh, some great guests. I've got Jessica Tuck coming up. She was Megan Gordon on One Life to Live. Oh, yes, yes. I've got got a great guy, Nicholas Walker, who was on um, Capitol 100 years ago, and he was the recast Max on One Life to Live for a time. And he is, okay. a, he is a landscape artist now, and he's working with Kathy Ireland. And they've oh, got a new wonderful. book coming out. So he'll, he's going to be on April 6th. So, oh, um, okay. I'm very, very much looking forward to that. I've got okay. singer Jan Arden coming up. I've got all kinds of great guests in April. So, Oh, good. Oh, here's a number for In the Zone. For people who don't have computers that want to talk to Fanola Hughes or any of their other guests, because Gloria Gaynor is actually going to be on their show. Did you see that? I did. I got an invite to that. Yes. That's okay. Yeah. Thursday, so I did I. Right. So in the zone is area code three four seven nine nine six five nine seven eight. That's three four seven. Oh wait a minute, it popped off. I installed Skype. Three four seven nine nine six five nine seven eight. I installed Skype. Do you know Skype? Uh, I've I've heard of it and I've seen it on Oprah, but I haven't. I know nothing you know about it. Well, blog. A lot of people on Blog Talk have it. 
and it's just like the the instant messenger system that you and I use, mm-hmm. but it's it's more of a video thing, and then you can actually make phone calls through it. You know, like it, my my aunt has it too, and she says, you know, she loves it, but because if she wants to use it as a phone, she can use it as a phone for ten bucks, you know, for the month. You know, she's away or on her computer or something like that. You know, whatever. But it, it's a pretty cool in- video instant messaging system. Wow, that's great. Yeah, so I downloaded that because everybody on Blog Talk has it pretty much that I've talked to. <laughs> so I said, okay, well, I'll try it. So we'll see. It's a good way to communicate when you're doing a show together with somebody so you could see each other. Absolutely. You know, so that's cool. But um, are we done? Yep, I, it's I 11.31 love- okay. here in Texas. Oh, all right. So we're good. Absolutely. So thank you very much for coming on and plugging yourself um, and helping helping me plug me. Anytime, buddy. <laughs> anytime. You know that. You're my guy. All right. So then I will chat with you all tomorrow. Okay. All right, Brandon. Have a good night. <laughs> you too. Bye. Thanks to Joanne. Thanks to the phenomenal Claire Massey. It's Brandon's Buzz in the can for March 5th. 2009. As I said, come on back next week, www.blogtalkradio.com slash Brandon's Buzz. I've got Jimmy Demers coming up next week, hopefully, cross your fingers. And I've got the uh, the webmasters, Courtney and Nellie, the webmasters of OneTreeHillWeb.net. Um, it's going to be great fun, so come on back for that next week on Brandon's Buzz. Please stay tuned for Brandon's Buzz. I'm Joan Van Ark, and the buzz is So if you feel that you just can't take it And your world isn't what it seems Don't forget that life can be what you make it Baby, when you live on a street of dreams Hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you're with Brandon's Buzz place to be. Hey, this is Peggy Scott Adams, and guess what? I am buzzing with my man, Brandon on Brandon's Buzz. This is Michael Brainerd on Brandon's Buzz. Are you buzzed? This is Maya Bialik, and you are lucky enough to be listening to Brandon's Buzz. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.